0: All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's October fifteenth. I'm Doug Norian over there. Is James Davis, and we are going to be rolling game by game through the schedule here today. We, we recorded both podcasts, the cash game and the game by game uh, here on Thursday, uh, just because we got pushed back a day with some, you know, the NFL taking an extra day uh, to get through Tuesday. So a little bit of a scheduling difference. Um, Probably this podcast ends up going up Thursday evening as we let the cash game one sit there at least for a little bit. But we are going to roll through game by game. The most interesting note right now is just, um, you know, we're recording this Thursday morning and r- almost right away we got a text, or not text, Not he doesn't text me personally, got a tweet from <laughs> Adam Schefter uh, that said that um, the Falcons were closing down their facility because they had had multiple covid tests and then now he's saying that maybe they don't have as many confirmed so this is very much an up in the air thing um we're not at four confirmed is what a falcon official say so there's getting getting kind of competing levels of information here i would say if there's multiple COVID, I mean, could, what do you think? Is it even good? Should we even speculate on whether this game's going to play or not? I hate laughing. It's so fantasy relevant that it's
1: going to really be terrible if it doesn't. But um, – Well, we th- can not speculate. Um, but what we can do is help you prepare in the event that it doesn't go off. And I think that's probably the best thing. I mean, we talked about it. We like multiple players on both sides of the ball, right? Like we talked about Madison, as cash game chalk, if Cook sits – we talked about Adam Thielen. We talked about the Atlanta passing game coming the other way. I even threw out some Todd Gurley <laughs> interest as well. So really both sides of the ball are extremely relevant if the game plays. And if it doesn't, then the, it's going to tighten up because this is, you know, a slate can be as big as it wants. Like but we're not going to draw a lot of value out of like the Washington Giants game. Right. So, yeah, this is a tough one to lose. But if we do, you know, we'll make do. It'll just be like playing a small slate.
0: All right, let's go through some of these games in the main slate. We'll go all. Excuse me. We'll go through all the games on the main slate. There are four teams on buys this week. There are some extra Sunday night or extra Sunday and Monday games. So there's, we're looking at a pretty small slate, even to be even in the best of times. With, uh, if, with if, even if this game weren't were to play, uh, but. We'll extract some value on it no matter what. And like I said, go back and listen to our cash game podcast. If you want where some of the core plays there, though, we will nod to him here. The first game is Chicago and Carolina. We spent a lot of time talking about these Carolina guys, Mike Davis and Robbie Anderson. Um, I think that they're both probably gonna be pretty chalk. I don't know if we need to completely revisit the, the story on these dudes. We did not talk about Teddy Bridgewater. He was a guy I was kind of interested in playing last week and ended up not doing it. Um, I don't think, no, no, maybe we played him a little bit on DraftKings. Um, he's he was okay and the rushing yards kind of appeared for one week and then didn't is this a situation where you know we talked about Watson and Stafford and Fitzpatrick as cash game options is there is does Bridgewater like land in that group for you
1: no I don't want to really play him in cash games I don't think but I think for big tournaments uh, the potential for an interesting Bridgewater to somebody stack is there for me where you know whether it's DJ Moore or Anderson Chicago this year has been much better against the run than they have against the pass. And Carolina, as we know, they can basically turn their running game into a passing game. So, you know, something like I think Mike Davis will be fairly chalk even in big tournaments. So maybe you would want to fade him and just try to capture like Bridgewater plus one or two other guys that are relatively cheap. But yeah, I'm certainly interested. I think Chicago is the team you can score on. It's just hard to do so via handing off the ball. So, yeah, interested in Bridgewater, but not for cash.
0: On the Chicago side, 16 targets for Allen Robinson last week and converted 10 uh, for only only, nine, only 90 yards. I mean, this, the, only, the reason I say that is because getting 16 targets and not being able to get up over 100 yards is pretty difficult to do, especially when you convert 10 of them. Um, where does he kind of land on in terms of the the group of wide receivers that we would consider to maybe getting elite target share? Is he In that group, like we mentioned, Robbie Anderson on the podcast yesterday, or the podcast, uh, the Cash Game Podcast, we mentioned Jamison Crowder, uh, and then we talked about Ridley and Adam Thielen a little bit. Where does uh, does Robinson his target share for seven thousand on on Fanduel? Does he enter that group because you know sixteen targets for anybody is just a lot, and he's you know has pedigree here.
1: Yeah, I I love Allen Robinson this week. He's definitely on a short list of guys I could consider for cash games if I wind up having the money available. Uh, I think it's 7,000. He's underpriced. Uh, The touchdown share has come up a little bit. You know, I mean, getting 29 targets, was it 29? 39 targets (laughs) over the last three weeks. That's just a ton of targets, you know. Averaging 13 targets a week is significant. And it's not like it came out of nowhere. He was getting nine a game in the first two games as well. Now, we've talked often about how not all targets are created equally. And certainly if he's going to turn his catches into, you know, fewer than 10 yards a catch, that's, going to limit the upside on some level but I mean there's multi-touchdown upside here when you're getting this much target share yeah I think Robinson's a phenomenal play in all formats really and uh, it does seem as though the quarterback play has improved for his purposes as well so I think he's underpriced right now
0: yeah you can't really touch the running game I don't think you can do too much else in the passing game I mean uh, Montgomery did see targets last week and played a lot of the snaps which is kind of rare for him Uh, you know Tara Cohen out that they Want to do a little Cordell Patterson here and there, but for the most part, you know Montgomery played 51 of the, I think 60, offense 63 offensive snaps. I'm pretty sure if we look back, that would be his most that he's ever done. So, if you want to talk the, into yourself into the part where he's part of the passing game now, like he's maybe like an every down kind of guy, I find that to be moderately interesting. But we just haven't seen it. Yeah,
1: he's all. just so bad. He's so bad on the ground too. Yeah, like it's it's really tough to piece that all together in my mind. And if we're in that price range, unless we can play multiple guys, I'd prefer to play someone like Ronald Jones, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think you want to be, you know, speculating on Montgomery and cash for sure.
0: Uh we can move on to Detroit and Jacksonville. This game has a really high total. It started at fifty two and a half. It's up to fifty four. Uh th- Detroit are three point home, excuse me, road favorites. The home, by the way, home road splits this season. Um, It's not, there's really not, it's, I don't know if it's the no fans thing or what it is, but the advantage of being at home this season is much closer than it has been in the past. Um, I believe it's only a point in favor of, uh, I can look it up real quick. I I believe it's only a point in favor of the home team. And in the past, I think it had been like 2.7 or something like that. So it could be the no fan things. Either way, we did talk about Stafford as a, possible cash game option just because Jacksonville is so dreadful um, a defense against the past this season I don't so I don't think we need to revisit that but what about a guy like Kenny Galladay because we did not talk about Galladay in the cash game uh, options and I kind of want to keep dreaming on the targets for him and they just don't aren't always there in a way that you think they would be. But is Galladay, like where does Galladay rank in that that group of wide receivers that we could consider here? He did have eight targets last time out, only converted four of them for but he did did catch a touchdown.
1: He's a tournament play to me. I don't think you can roll him out there. Again, compare him to Allen Robinson, let's say, where Galladay's quarterback play is probably better, but the target's are just significantly less, right? I mean, he's averaging seven and a half targets in his two games, uh, where Robinson, his minimum on the season is nine, right? So, uh, and Robinson's cheaper as well. I don't think you can do it for cash. I think for big tournaments, you know, the Stafford to Galladay thing is legit. We talked on the Cash Game podcast about how Stafford had piled up, um, or I'm sorry, team opposing quarterbacks have piled up yardage against the Jacksonville passing defense. And I think that's, you know, a trend that will continue throughout the season. But for cash games, we only need three guys. You know, we have Robbie Anderson locked in there. And, yeah, I just think you run out of spots for Galladay. I I just don't see him making the cut.
0: Yeah, I I think I agree, and I I love the big tournament upside. I think people will probably be able to talk themselves into him in cash just because the matchup is so enticing. Uh, But I think I'm with you that it's just tough to trust where the targets are going to come from. The rest of this team, look, they have a really high total. It's hard to get behind the running game with Adrian Peterson. I know he's been able to punch balls in in the past, but um, I definitely don't want to play him. I don't even know if I want to play him in a tournament, even though it's a good matchup. Anything else to see here? Uh, And then we can kind of switch over to the Jacksonville side.
1: No, I don't think so. I think Detroit is, you know, they've they've never presented an exciting running game since we've (laughs) basically uh, been doing this as a job. So, I, yeah, I'm not seeing anything to get too pumped about here.
0: What about Jacksonville? Minshew has thrown, uh, has had games with high volume. He threw 49 passes last week. He threw for two touchdowns. He does get out and run a little bit, uh, which you like to see. This game has a high total. Could be a shootout. Um, I think I like the under in this game. But um, what are your thoughts on uh Jacksonville? We can start here with Minshew. We did talk a little bit about James Robinson as well.
1: Yeah, James Robinson is the headliner for me for the Jaguars this week. I actually had a dream that you wrote up DJ Shark Jr. for Cash games, mm. and I was like, wanted to break it to you that I didn't think it was going to be a good play, but I didn't know how to say it, <laughs> so that's where my mind is at this time of year, <laughs> uh, but with just four targets last week, you know, coming off the nice nine-target, two-touchdown game against Cincy, I don't think you can go there. I don't see how we can spend 6600 for him with some of the other options we have available. Obviously, the upside continues to be there. Uh, it's been kind of interesting to watch the trajectory of LaVisca Chenault Jr., Apologies if I mispronounce any part of that name. Um, You know, he's definitely been a pretty steady target guy. Uh, Hasn't gotten a lot of touchdown equity as a part of that offense. Uh, But he's now limited in practice with a hamstring issue. And he actually missed practice on Wednesday. So uh, kind of a wait and see thing. But if Chenault were to sit, that would free up some targets in a game that really does have a high total. So that's actually kind of a, a sneaky injury I'm keeping an eye on. I don't think I'll play Chenault in any format, really. If he is available, but if he sits, I, I think the rest of the Jaguars offensive attack becomes a little more interesting.
0: Yeah, like I said, um I this game has such a high total that you have to pay attention to it. Um it's a, they, the teams are a little odd in terms of how they just section off their fantasy points to the different guys outside of you know, really outside of Robinson and the quarterbacks, it's kind of it is tough to sort of hone in on a week-to-week basis. Um, this game, by the way, I, was, I mentioned the under. I was uh, one other bet. I, I brought my bets up here. Uh, I did grab Jacksonville plus three and a half early, and I actually don't mind Jacksonville plus one eighty-eight. I don't think I've seen enough from Detroit, and our system certainly hasn't to think mm-hmm. that they should be three-point favorites against almost anybody. And uh, we were on. I was on Jacksonville last week, and it didn't work out. But I think I'm sticking in there. I think Jacksonville. Um, Detroit's just not very good in their own right. So I do like both those numbers, and I did like the under as well, uh, the under 54.5. Uh, okay. all, all three of those are looking pretty good. Let's keep moving on uh, through some of these games. The Browns go in and play the Steelers. Steelers are 3.5-point home favorites here. <laughs> Ste- death taxes and Steelers finding some guy wide receiver that no one's ever heard of that's just the new best wide receiver in football. It's every single year, <laughs> it seems like they, just, they never draft these guys high. It's just the list is like freaking endless. It's like all these guys all come out of nowhere and now it's just chase Claypool chase Claypool just comes out. Look, we'd heard of chase Claypool. We have like projections on him. I did not project him for 11 targets, uh, you know, seven for one, ten and three touchdowns also was able to rush the ball three times. Do you think there'll be an overreaction to a chase Claypool, excuse me, chase Claypool game that definitely came out of nowhere for this kind of thing. And like, where do we kind of end up slotting these guys? Because, We've seen it just as quickly. These guys just disappear. And they, it's not like this, he's the only guy on the team. They have other, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster still on this team, right? They still have James Conner. Uh, what do you do with guys when we just see these complete breakout performances?
1: Yeah, it's funny with them too, because everyone was having the same discussion about Deontay Johnson after the first two weeks of the season, right? Uh, where Johnson had 23 targets, you know, wasn't like as electric as Claypool has been on a per-touch basis, but uh, that's where it looked like the, the next Steelers out of nowhere guy was going to be. And then, of course, Claypool had what might be the biggest wide receiver game of the season when it's all said and done last week, scoring 39.1 fantasy points. Um, yeah, I, I, it's this is a really tough one for me to wrap my mind around because I can tell you I would not be excited to see him be 60% owned and not have him, especially compared to some of the other names that we're kicking around here. At 5,500, like if he has another week where he gets 11 targets, he'll be 7,000 next week, right? Like this is not... This is the type of thing that they would adjust manually, uh, just because of how darn explosive he was, and I, that touchdown too was a short yardage touchdown on the ground. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what to make of him. Obviously, regression is coming just because nobody scores that many fantasy points a game. But you would have to regress that amount of opportunity and what he did with his opportunity quite a bit to get him out of lineup. So, I wouldn't be opposed to playing him in any format this week, understanding that we're uh, we're, we're we're reacting to one week is the way I'll put it because we're not buying high. The guys, fifty five hundred on <laughs> like that's not buying right. high whatsoever. But we're certainly reacting very heavily to one week, uh, even if it is one absolutely incredible week.
0: Look, if Deontay Johnson he left the game early. Uh, I'm gonna check the injury status on him real quick. Do you have his injury status up in front of you by the yeah, way? Yeah, he's that's currently
1: questionable. Um, it's a back issue. He's limited in practice. Um, or no, I'm sorry, he missed practice on Wednesday. And he, Look, he Tomlin, Tomlin said he was going to be limited in the beginning of the week, but he wound up missing on Wednesday. If,
0: he, if he's not playing, then I'm probably getting pretty close to feeling comfortable with it, right? Because it was a direct one-to-one, like DeAndre right. Johnson leaves the game, plays six snaps, and then um, Claypool comes in. Obviously, the four, the four touchdowns, I've left out the rushing touchdowns, so my bad about that, but the, the four touchdowns are not coming back, but it is, at least you could point to a clear situational difference, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to sometimes these other guys that kind of just like come and go. So I think if Deontay Johnson wasn't playing, I would feel he I'd probably I think at that point he probably would just be a chalk guy because I think you can give him like seven and a half targets or something like that and feel reasonably OK about it. Like seven and a half targets and maybe a rush. Right. And then at that point, you're probably OK with it. Um, Any of these other guys like we, we kind of talked ourselves into James Conner, <laughs> James Conner week last week, the, the usage was Okay, fifteen carries, three targets—not great. That's not what we're expecting to see. Um, could you go back to this, or is just not the matchup against
1: the Browns? Uh, I don't know if it's even a matchup issue. It's more being disillusioned with what we saw his role was against the Eagles. Um, you know, theoretically, that ought to have been a game script that sort of favored him, and getting fifteen carries only and being pretty bad on those carries. You know, he's he's been good on a per touch basis early in the season, so I guess I don't want to react to that too much. Um, but, you know, other guys just touched the ball. Benny Snell had seven carries in that game. Claypool had three. Anthony McFarland Jr. had three carries. Ray Ray you, McLeod third okay. had two carries. Like-
0: Let's stop you real quick. I was watching this game on a screen last week, and I saw – McFarlane in the backfield, and it was like the first series, and we knew we had played Connor. Some placed in cash, and I, I almost threw up. Like I was like, "Come on with this! Like this is the week they're gonna start running all these different running backs." I mean, it kind of did. Ended up coming back. I did, I did. I I stopped. I didn't even bother to text you because I was feeling really upset about it. I no, ended up he, he ended up coming back and obviously playing and scoring a touchdown, but but it was still. I was really upset when I saw that Anthony McFarlane dreads because I just know that Connor doesn't have dreads, and I'm thinking, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so Connor Connor
1: 15 carries. Other non-Rothsberger players had 15 carries. That seems like a stay away to me. I think, um, yeah, I'm I'm just not going to go there. I don't think in cash this week.
0: Now uh, Pittsburgh has a pretty much an elite defense so far this season. Right. Um, I don't know if this is the that's enough to not play a guy like Kareem Hunt because Kareem Hunt had completely elite usage last week with Nick Chubb out as we kind of, you know, speculated he would 20 carries. He also had four targets uh, in a game that they were kind of rolling with is, is the matchup just not good enough here against the Steelers who do again present a pretty difficult challenge on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. It's
1: kind of the same reason we didn't really want to run him last week Uh, with the Colts coming in as the top ranked defense as well. He did get those 20 carries. He was pretty bad on a per touch basis uh, turning those 20 carries into just 72 yards on the ground. Pittsburgh's rushing DBOA this season is by far the best in the league. At least it was a few days ago when I looked. <laughs> Maybe it's been updated since, but um, and not by far, but still uh, the best amount adjusted rush DBOA in the league. Yeah, I think I don't want, want to play Hunt. Um, I will say that if we wind up losing that Atlanta-Minnesota game, I'll be listening on both Hunt and Connor probably, but uh, at this point I'm assuming that I won't have to play him in cash.
0: Yeah, I think I'm there too. We have seen you know signs of life from Odell Beckham Jr. over the last couple weeks. Um, the you know he, he uh, did he score a touchdown last week? Shoot, I was looking at something else. Um, let me look real quick. Sorry, he had nine targets last week. Uh, Landry had nine targets as well, and Austin Hooper had ten targets. If this is more of like a funnel defense situation with the Steelers, are we? can we target some of the passing game the Steelers you know they're 17th against uh they're 17th against the pass which marks uh you know a downgrade against the, against the rush we figure that they can't get much on the ground could we start to look at some of the stuff in the passing game here
1: uh, for big tournaments probably I mean we discussed Hooper as kind of a consolation prize tight end I'm still there with him on that both Landry and Beckham have been way too inconsistent for me to want to consider them in cash games for sure I mean Big tournaments, yeah, anything can happen. The talent is still there for both of those guys, but I'm not touching these guys in cash.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, we we can move on here to Denver is going to play New England. New England comes in as big minus 10 point favorites here uh, at home. Denver, uh, I think they're going to get Drew Locke back this week. I can look that up. I don't think it matters so much for our purposes. Melvin Gordon got a DUI, and it's unclear if he's going to get suspended uh, for this week. So we we'll have to mm-hmm. kind of wait and see on that. Again, I'm not also not sure how much it matters. And then on the, the Patriots side of the ball, they get Cam Newton back. He's uh, cleared the COVID uh, piece, and he is set to return this week. Cam is a guy that we've wanted to run out in the past in cash. Um, you know, was Carrying the ball a ton. You know, Gets that down and close stuff, which you like to see. Had turned on the passing at times is cam a guy that we kind of maybe overlooked for cash now that he's i mean i don't think he was symptomatic so he's nothing if not well rested at this point where do you land cam on this group of uh you know elite quarterbacks
1: i have him behind watson for sure when it comes to just my overall cash game plays we saw him crash down to earth performance wise against the raiders uh scoring just 12 FanDuel points against them uh the passing touchdowns have not been there whatsoever and i mean really the seattle game was his good passing game Other than that, he really hasn't gotten a lot done in the air, both in a yards-per-attempt basis and just in terms of raw volume. So so I'm not super bullish on Cam, actually. You know, those first two games were really buoyed by scoring four total rushing touchdowns. And while that's certainly possible with his skill set and this matchup, I don't think – it feels like a little bit of a risk to me, and I don't feel totally like I need to take it. Uh, He's also come up in price from where we played him as well. So we ran him at uh, 7,500 on FanDuel. Uh, taking the price increase on him in this game doesn't feel like where I want to land eventually. Um, and yes, Drew Locke is scheduled to return this game. Uh, he practiced in full on Wednesday. He, he should be back here. I don't think it makes a difference for DFS purposes, but he will be playing.
0: No, I think you can consider the Patriots' defense. Right. And that, I guess it matters like, for that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think that's kind of where we land at. Like this is uh, this is still just a pretty bad Denver team, even if they're. Yeah. If, even if this is like where this if, if this is the personnel that they wanted to be operating with it's not uh it's really not just not. I don't think outside of Cam too. I don't think I really want to consider much of anything on this New England side. The running back situation is all over the place. They bring Damian Harrison, um the Burkeheads gets carries, you can't trust the targets from Cam at all, right? Like I don't I, no, I settlements in like a big tournament um, thing.
1: No. No. I mean, you can <laughs> it only in the way that anything can be a big tournament thing, but no. In the meantime, I think we Did we break this game down last week, too? (laughs) It feels like we did. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I don't think we're going to touch this one in any format.
0: All right. Houston goes in and plays the Texans. Texans are uh, excuse me. Houston play, they play United each season. other. Yeah, went, which incidentally
1: that has been a theme this season. So I don't know if you missed. In the
0: uh, well, in the, in the new NFL, we might be getting to a point. We just might be getting to a point where, <laughs> where there's enough games. Inter squad scrimmage. The, <laughs> yeah, they inter squad. Right, exactly. Just go offense versus <laughs> defense. Uh, excuse me. The Houston Texans play the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Titans are three point home favorites. The game started at 55. Is down to 53. Titans coming off some short rest here uh, when they played the game on Tuesday. Where do you want to start with this game? We did talk uh sort of at length about Deshaun Watson, so I don't think we need to go back down that road. We didn't talk about the rest of the passing game though. We didn't talk like Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks had a monster game a week after he was chalk and then ever, you know, people really wanted to play him on DraftKings. In week 4, he was absolutely terrible. Uh people were not as ready to play him last week and he went 8 for 12 12 targets and went 8 161 and a touchdown. Um Is he a guy like that? Maybe the price didn't come up enough, or or do we just see too many like floor games from him that you really can't trust?
1: I know, man. Back to back weeks where he gets a total of eight targets, three catches for twenty three yards, and then he just pops right up to the top of the wide receiver charts. Dude, this is a this is a really tough one. I mean, you talk about so like I'll give you him or Chase Claypool, right? It's like this almost the same price, somewhat similar trajectory. Although I will say we have seen it from Cooks in the past, in other situations. What do you think, Cooks? If we're off the Cooks chalk, how do you feel um, going into this one? I'd have to say I'd be pretty nervous. And even differently than Chase Claypool, I think that you know we've also seen Watson kind of tunnel vision onto wide receivers with kind of Cooks' profile in the past too. So I don't know. That, that, that one would be a little scary to me. I'm curious to know what you think.
0: <sighs> I could probably talk myself into it on DraftKings at 5000 I don't want to yeah, do it on FanDuel. No? Um, I think, and I, you know, 5200 for Claypool, they're kind of the same price. I don't know. I, they're you both pre- kind of around there. I'll, what's that?
1: You prefer Claypool?
0: If Johnson's out, I prefer Claypool, yes. Yeah, okay. I agree. Uh, and I think I would feel much better about it. And the fact that they use them, like, the Claypool thing, too, I hate this, is, it sounds crazy, but the fact that they did. Do some of those jet sweep rushes with him too, just shows that like they want to get him really involved in a way that I think gives him j- creeps that floor up just a little bit higher than Cooks, right? And so um, I think that would be enough to like kind of talk myself into it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think that. I, okay, let me put it this way: if I saw if I saw both were chalk, and I, and we didn't have either, I'm giving the crazy scenario. I would feel much more nervous about Claypool and Cooks. Is mm-hmm. that is that a fine way to put it? I think that I think that probably answers my question. You know, really. Roundabout weird way that I probably could have figured a clearer cool yeah, way. Yeah, a do it um, in a gut um,
1: check way. Sure.
0: On the titan side, uh, Derek Henry continues to get the ball a lot. I still we're still having some maybe yards per carry issues with him. I know like everyone wanted to go crazy about this huge stiff arm that he laid on someone last week. I think it was Josh Norman, where he just like basically tossed him aside like a rag doll. Still <laughs> touched the ball. I mean, he carried the ball 19 times for 57 yards. He got in the, he keeps scoring the touchdowns. I don't know what to do with Derrick Henry here because the the usage is still elite, and they didn't really need to lean on him because they were killing him last game. So, because, like, Jeremy McNichols gets in, and he rushed the ball nine times. But I don't know with Henry. I'm, I'm still waiting for the... I feel like I, I'm still very much in the wheels are coming off territory, but he keeps scoring touchdowns and kind of putting up some games, and I just... I kind of look wrong every week, but I'm still... I'm sticking by it, I
1: think. Well, you didn't look wrong the first two weeks, and... I think with Henry, it's the combination of whether he's like, you know, washed or whatever, but also just being really, really expensive for a guy who doesn't catch many balls out of the backfield. Uh, we talked earlier about how quarterbacks get their safety. One of the main ways running backs get their safety is by catching the ball out of the backfield. And that's just not something Henry's doing. So I think if you want to look at it from that perspective, we can see that the floor for him is, say, it's 25 carries. But for like 90 yards and no touchdowns, that's pretty pretty damn bad on $9,000 price tag. And that's something that you wouldn't expect from someone like, you know, Mike Davis, right? Like he was just going to get targets and targets are worth more than carries. They just are. So, yeah, the, the usage still appears elite if you only start by looking at the rushing attempts category. When you look over to targets, we see that it can be a little bit less exciting. And I think paying absolute top dollar on a week where every dollar is going to matter Probably won't be a will wind-up.
0: AJ Brown uh, was activated last week, came right in and grabbed a 33% target share right off the bat with Tannehill. Tannehill only threw 28 yeah. passes, but he caught he targeted Brown nine times. Brown did go seven for 81 on a touchdown. Do we want to... Uh, look, it was without Adam Humphreys and it was without Corey Davis, so I think that matters. And I do believe both these guys are coming back. But... We saw this late season with AJ Brown as well that he had become really Tannehill's preferred target guy, and that didn't that didn't look like it changed at all when he came back right away. Here, where do we rank him in sort of like this group of guys that can maybe butt up against double digit targets on a given week?
1: I, I think if they're missing those other pieces, Brown is another guy I would love to consider for cash game purposes. We saw the pedigree last season. We know that when everything's going well for this team that he's worth at least 10 to 15% more than what we have to pay for him right now, I think he would be a great play. I mean, and Buffalo is no slouch of a matchup. I guess the one potential question mark is that they would be playing on extremely short rest here. But what are they going to do, you know? Like, (laughs) assuming that Brown is healthy, which he appeared to be on Tuesday, I don't think that they would sweat it out too much on, you know, one or two days less rest than usual. So yeah, I, I could play Brown here, really, in any format. And I think in terms of just raw points per dollar upside, he's as good as anyone this week.
0: Yeah, and they have a huge total still. I mean, even with the yeah. even with the game total coming down, they still have 28 implied points here, which is yeah, that's uh, a, 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 a really <laughs> as high as you're going to see. And but, that's the case
1: for Henry too, I guess. But.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it is. And, and, and the only thing I can talk myself out of Brown is that the team is so run heavy that they just that's you know their, their signal is we want to just run the ball exclusively and they kind of begrudgingly pass when we need to and that's the only thing that worries me because they we have seen a lot of games over the couple seasons now with Tannehill just you know fewer than thirty th- fewer than thirty passing attempts and mm-hmm. that's just they're a team that just you know sort of like the 49ers they just they they show you they don't want to. They only want to pass when they have to, right? And Otherwise, it's kind of run, 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 and wear you down. So that's the only maybe th- way I can talk myself out of the Brown thing um, and maybe talk myself more into the Henry thing because we know it's going to be there uh, until it basically isn't. Washington football team goes in and plays the Giants. Actually, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about the, these other games. Uh, Washington football team takes on the Giants. This game has a really low total as it should. It started at 44 and a half and people in betters were like, no, no, no. That is way too high for these two offenses uh, down to 42 and a half. The looks like Kyle Allen, even though the Alex Smith story was a nice one. He came back last week. looks like Kyle Allen is still set to return and be the starter uh, for whatever that's worth. Giants are a total mess on offense have scored. Just can't just simply can't score the ball. I don't know if like the, you know, the crappy rock and the even worse hard place kind of gets off here this week because these teams are so bad. Is there anything to like on a fantasy perspective from, these, from either of these two teams?
1: Well, a lot of people played Darius Slayton in cash games last week, and he rewarded them with eight catches for 129 yards on 11 targets. I could see people going back to the well there. Obviously, the narrative going into last week was that Dallas has this, you know, potentially historically bad defense that they've been working on. Uh, and I don't think Washington has quite the same reputation right now. But Slayton's emerging as the number one wide receiver on the Giants, and he's probably still too cheap even if the Giants aren't very good at generating yardage or points. Uh, so I think Slayton is probably still in play. Um, you know, we rolled Evan Ingram out there. He rewarded us with two targets and a rushing touchdown. So I don't think we're going to do that again. I don't know. The Giants The Giants just seem to me to be a team that's, that's maybe capable of putting up one good uh, DFS performance a week. And I think the best bet for that or the best bet to guess at that guy would be Darius Lee.
0: Yeah, Devontae Freeman. If you want to just like squint the see, he had a touchdown. He had mm-hmm. sc- carried the ball seventeen times last week. Um, was not all that effective. Only had sixty yards. Did get three targets. So twenty overall touches last week is not too bad. Um, the team is just so bad. I, I by the way, I like the under even at forty two and a half here. I liked it a lot more at forty four, and that's why you know this is where it ends up going down because our system kind of saw the same thing that other people saw where this gets hammered down pretty damn quickly. I I think it's still. Um, I think you can probably consider both defenses here just because the teams play so slowly and each offense is so bad that um, even though the defenses are nothing to write home about, I mean, Redskins, especially if they have Chase Young back, can get to the quarterback here. So I actually don't mind the Redskins defense here, I don't think, and probably just from a pace of play thing, don't mind the Giants defense because it's hard to imagine either of these teams really lighting it up on the scoreboard. So outside of those guys, and look, the Redskins... We talked about Terry McLaurin last week. They're just—it's just, it's just the, the quarterback situation is just so is so poor. I, like I don't—I don't really know. They had 30 total passing attempts last week. McLaurin, yeah, he had seven targets, they had three receptions. He's a good receiver. He's just stuck on a team. So he's stuck on a team with just horrible quarterback play, and that's probably just not his fault. And I, I think from a mm-hmm. cash game perspective, it's just—and the Giants actually do. Uh, Bradbury is a pretty actually good cover corner too. So it's not like he's getting a great matchup. Okay, let's keep moving. The uh, Next game we have is the Bengals go in and play the Colts. Colts. Uh, this game has another high total on the Colts side. They start at nine and a half, but that's down to eight right now with a 46 over under. Uh, the Colts. I don't know the, the, the one outside of the one week where we kind of talked ourselves into Jonathan Taylor. I I don't see even even when this team has so many points to put up on the board. Like what do you do? Like Taylor carries the ball 12 times last week, gets a couple targets. They kind of split the snaps. Ty Hilton looks. He finally gets a double-digit target game under his belt, but that's clearly not what Indianapolis wants to do. I don't know. This feels like a team we should probably be looking at because of the total points. And at the same time, from a fantasy perspective, it's just so hard to see it.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably just a total stay away. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is the most intriguing guy that you listed for me, just on the back of the past track record and the 10 targets last week. But we just know with the way Rivers throws the ball that the T.Y. Hilton of old, like when he had Andrew Luck under center, is not coming through that door, right? I mean, like to get 10 targets, okay. He turned it into sixty-nine yards and nothing else. Ty Hilton hasn't crossed double-digit fantasy points at any point of the season, uh, in spite of being out there for the snaps. Right, so I just don't see a path to playing these guys in cash games. I don't. I don't know. It's it's just such an underwhelming offensive situation that I just can't get behind it. I don't think.
0: Um, I did bet – I like the minus 8 here uh, on the Colts side, so um, I don't mind that as a bet. On the Bengals side, we talked about this briefly in the Cash Game podcast, but even when they were getting dumpstered last week, uh, they still did the old thing where they want to just give Joe Mixon – I don't keep him happy, I guess, because there's no other reason that Joe Mixon should have run the ball 24 times last week, and he he also had 8 targets, so 32 overhaul touches um, on the 51 snaps that he played. That's just simply unbelievable, and they just got murdered, and he was basically pretty bad. (laughs) Like, he had – so he had 32 total looks and he p- compiled fewer than 100 total yards on that 94 total yards. That is really hard to do when you touch the ball that many mm-hmm. times. I want to give him a lot of touches here, and at the same time, I, I don't know, the, the Colts defense is probably just too tough, right? Like, and they're just too big of underdogs. I don't know. I, I, this, this is now going on two seasons of this guy is the hardest guy to project because the the Bengals just simply refuse to use them in a way that any other team uses their running backs when they're bad, right? <laughs> like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> right.
1: Well, yeah, we get the gift of a really bad matchup here, so I don't think we need to overthink it too much. Uh, Mixon's still riding high off a of price increase after his own 39.1 FanDuel point game from a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, we stay away here. But I, we definitely have our eye on Mixon for the next time the Bengals are in a reasonable matchup. Like, he's a guy that we're keeping in the closet and we're ready to break them out for special occasions for sure.
0: Yeah. They're, they're, the defense is uh, expensive here. The Colts defense is expensive for a reason. The the Bengals have a lot of million sacks to to burrow this season. Um, we don't have as the yeah. highest projected defense, um, but they're close. Like they're right up in this group of the Steelers and the Ravens and the Patriots. Uh, I it's hard. It's tough to actually think it's funny. Our overall projection from the Washington football team is not too far behind these guys, but um the, I think just in general, I'd probably just rather just go the Steelers route, um, even though the matchup's a little worse. But you you really do have to consider the Colts' defense just because they're just allowing guys to get to Burrow really pretty easily. Falcons and Vikings. um, This game we've mentioned at the top is in jeopardy of not playing. There's conflicting reports about how many COVID tests there are. So, look, we'll just know. So this is not a situation where... Like we'll probably know you know forty eight hours in advance too because they're not gonna leave it hanging out there whether or not they're gonna play I don't think um, but I could be I could be wrong about that my guess is we're probably trending toward not playing. And it would be a shame because we talked about Madison as a chalk play uh, on the cash game podcast. So we don't need to really need to revisit that. I actually don't mind Adam Thielen uh, here. Double digit targets over the last week. And then you mentioned Gurley. We talked about Ridley. I, I don't think we need to revisit all this stuff. And uh, do you have any other final thoughts here? Because we're just we're nothing if not a holding pattern in this game.
1: Yeah, it's a great game to target for DFS. But since we don't know anything, there's, you know, it's a wait and see.
0: Uh, okay, moving on. Baltimore goes in and plays the Eagles. Baltimore is a seven and a half road favorite here. This game is a 48 over under. We have not seen the same returns Lamar Jackson this year from a fantasy perspective, even though the team is good. um, He's just not anywhere close to what he had done last season when it came to just overall fantasy points. Um, And we feel like we've talked about this on every single podcast so far, just because um, (laughs) this is, we just kind of knew that it was gonna be a situation where they, he just wasn't gonna be able to keep up with with the passing touchdowns. That being said, he's still Lamar Jackson and it feels like it could be like in any given week sort of thing. Right. Because he just is from a talent level, you know, the second most athletic quarterback. I don't know where you are. Well, it doesn't matter where you're you're on a rank, but the returns just haven't been there. Do we want to, Could we go out on a limb and be like maybe a week early on him returning to form? Or is we're just maybe just not going to see it this season?
1: Not for cash games. We can't. Um, I think for big tournaments, there is something to speculate on here. Um, So Jackson, we know he's capable of having the biggest week of any given week. So he's always got to be in your uh, big tournament rotation if there's a lot of other plays that you like out there. It's kind of strange, though, because, you know, we we talk about the naked quarterback running a quarterback all by themselves in big tournaments sometimes. You can do that with Jackson. um, But he has been consolidating a decent amount of what passing production there is into Marquise Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown. (laughs) <laughs> I heard a great thing. I think it was on Bill Simmons' podcast. Uh, can we call him uh, Marquise East Hollywood Brown? I thought that was pretty good because yeah. I, I don't know that he's really earned the nickname Hollywood at the professional level. But um, but but Brown last week was great. You know, ten targets, caught six of them, 77 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Andrews has been a perpetual source of touchdowns as well. Um, unfortunately, a lot of that passing production being consolidated into Andrews is kind of a bummer for our purposes actually because Andrews is just too expensive even for. The amount of touchdowns he's getting, like the the rest of it just hasn't been there to support the $7,600 price tag. But yeah, I think you can easily put together a pretty reasonable Raven stack here. It's just, you know, it's less exciting because I think all the guys are at least like Jackson's probably fairly priced. Uh, So is Brown. Andrews is overpriced. So you kind of have to make it up in the margins. And that's not where I start for my big tournament lineups anyway.
0: Um, He is quarterback I think 19, if I'm counting it right this season, like he's guys, quarterbacks that have scored more points than him on a point game basis, basically all of them, but like golf has scored more Brady Minshew really. He's like so far down this list. It's really kind of crazy to, to,
1: yeah. And that's gonna I mean, he'll finish in the top 10 almost assuredly I would think. So, yeah. It'd be nice if it'd be, it actually be nice
0: if like based on this performance, like we were getting him at a, like maybe a, a little bit more of a discount, but the price really hasn't dropped enough and it's just probably not going to at this point. Right. Like he's still 9,000 and that's the, that's the problematic thing. Like if he, cause cause if, 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 if they're just going by performance, he's just, shouldn't be a $9,000 quarterback anymore. Right. Like he should be in the Deshaun Watson or lower range, but it's just because he's Lamar Jackson and, the price was set high to begin with. It's just not coming down commiserately with what... And he's still going to be
1: reasonably owned. Like No matter what he does, he's still going to have really good big tournament ownership because of what he did last year. Right. <laughs> so no matter what, people are going to keep dreaming on it. He still is the ultimate upside play. But yeah, maybe maybe you're just not getting away with anything, both on the price point and on the ownership front, right? Like It's not like you get separation by playing Lamar Jackson in a big tournament. So yeah, maybe it's just, uh, you know, he's kind of in no man's land right now.
0: What do we do with Travis Fulgham here? Um, he comes off a 13-target game last week. Uh, effective, I believe he was effectively lining up. He's listed as a wide receiver, but I'm almost positive he was lining up like in the tight end position. Uh, I, I can go double-check that. I didn't know really why this game too too closely. I just kind of saw the final line. Um, so he comes basically out of nowhere and gets to the 13 targets. He did have, I don't know, four, three targets the week before, and then that's, that's the history of his game log. But, you know, Wentz is a capable quarterback. He's still very cheap. Where do we land on a guy like him? Because Wentz has turned some of these guys into fantasy-relevant guys pretty quickly. And
1: this guy just, again, has come out of complete nowhere. Yeah, I couldn't care less about Travis Fulgham, to be honest. I mean, it's just guys have big weeks sometimes. It's totally random. Obviously, you can dream on it for big tournaments. I think it's insane to want to play him in cash, personally. That's kind of where I land on it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just way too bearish on him given that the Eagles have some injury stuff going on, obviously. But, you know, other guys are getting a little healthier right now. There are other people like Zach Ertz who have garnered tons of target share there in the past. I understand why what the temptation would be, but I think we have a lot of tempting guys in lower price ranges. And I think Fulgham is the least accomplished of that group. So, uh, yeah, I'll pass. 4400 on DraftKings, I do think people are going to talk themselves into
0: it um, just because it's just cheap enough. I'm not saying that we need to be that group of people that does it, but um, I think that that price will be enticing enough for people to possibly go there. And, yeah, I agree. And I guess we'll see. All right, Jets go in and play the Dolphins. Dolphins started as eight-point favorites here, and up to minus 10, uh, when the Dolphins, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and a team that kind of traded away a lot of its assets to just kind of tank last season, is a 10-point favorite against you, it's look in the mirror time for Adam Gase. Like I don't know what this guy needs to do to get fired, but the Jets just stink. They released just flat out released Levi and Bell this week, um, so he's off the team. They're just going to go with Frank Gore. Um, they could they tried to trade him, which was so hilarious. Like who on earth is going to trade for Levi and Bell? At the, like at this point with that contract and stuff. What's not to like, hard.
1: dude? You can pay him a ton of money and have him be bad. Yeah, have him <laughs> so. be bad, have
0: him be sort of be a malcontent, um, stink, make the most money on your team. Yeah, what's not what's not to love? I don't know. Well, if I love gonna that the
1: general up. manager. Uh, he 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 said that this was in the interest of both parties. It's like. <laughs> like it was a mutual breakup somehow and maybe maybe it's an interest to bell because he still gets paid some of that contract but man yeah what uh, what talk about when it's gone it's gone right i mean um,
0: yeah, and it's kind of and, so and like look, look, the guy carried the ball a ton, and it was kind of easy to see that this was coming. And the Jets, I guess, just couldn't see it. We did talk about Jamison Crowder as a cash game play. He's basically mm-hmm. been an elite wide receiver. So you go back and you can hear our breakdown in the last podcast where we talk about Crowder. I'm not interested in anything else on the Jets side. We talked about Brian Fitzpatrick as a cash game option. Um, so I don't think we need to rehash that one. Um, but what about the running game here? These are ten point. They're ten point home favorites here, which is where we really want to live with running backs. They have a guy in Gaskin that they have given the ball to. Um, yeah. They, they Kind of signaled that he is going to be the running back when things are going well. He carried the ball 16 times last week, wasn't all that effective. Also, had five targets though, played a lot yeah. of the snaps, played two thirds of the snaps. 10 point home favorites here. Should we be giving Miles Gaskin a look in cash against a pretty bad Jets team?
1: Yes, I think we can definitely look at Miles Gaskin. I think when you look at the two games where the game script went in his favor. Uh, Gaskin touched the ball 21 times against San Francisco, 27 times against the Jaguars. Uh, weeks before that, we know he can like sort of disappear if the game script goes against it, but still, at a minimum of four targets in any game on the season, a minimum of 22 running yards or uh, receiving yards rather, that gives him a, a pretty decent floor, right? I mean, if you start this, the game with four fantasy points out of the passing game at a minimum, and you kind of go from there, I, I don't know. It seems like stranger things could happen, right? Gaskin, very cheap. Uh, I'll say he probably won't make the cut. Like, I probably prefer, say, Ronald Jones to him at the same price tier. And we have two really nice running back options if the Minnesota-Atlanta game goes off. But if that game doesn't go off, I'm... Gonna definitely be bringing up Gaskin in our Sunday morning talk about cash game lines.
0: Yeah, that's. uh, I think I'm in the same 5400 on DraftKings. You like that the targets are kind of there. 57 on FanDuel is pretty enticing here, especially like you said, if we lose, if we lose that, uh, because then you can get out of maybe some of these more speculative wide receiver plays. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I find Gaskin to be interesting. Like we said, we've seen just time and time again the numbers support that home, big home favorites um, is where you want to be with running backs, and so um, that is just not something that's really changed in terms of just a correlated correlated stats. So something to really keep an eye on. I do think that you can I, we, it's funny. We didn't talk about the cash game podcast. I wonder if we do end up talking ourselves into it. You mentioned Ronald Jones. He's part of the lab. There's only two four o'clock games, by the way. It's going to be a really tough afternoon on Sunday because it's the Jets, Miami, and then it's just 425. It's just the Packers and Bucks, and that's just it. Battle know. of the Bays, dude. I, I wish they just move one of these games back so you can just, like, have a little bit more to watch. But anyway, uh, Green Bay does go in and play Tampa. This game is a really high total at 55 right now. Uh, well, let's see, Did it start there 55? Um, I'm looking real quick. Sorry. It started at 51 and a half and got bet all the way up to 55, um, basically. Uh, on both sides of the ball so this is uh yeah this game just kind of shot through the moon green bay is coming off the bye um tampa bay is coming off some longer rest here because they played last thursday night where do you want to start here on both sides of the ball aaron Rodgers has been awesome this season and our our projections are um are kind of low on him comparatively to like where he's performed this season he's thrown so many touchdowns and that's kind of the part where we just don't see it keeping up but where do you land with a guy like Rodgers here
1: yeah, Rodgers is a tricky one to project because you hate to be like the, the narrative guy, but there is a decent amount of narrative around this being his return season. Um, you know, our, I think our projection system has been a little bearish on him, also because the completion percentage was going the wrong way. But if that's back, and Rodgers obviously has that all-pro pedigree, uh, maybe getting in there and tweaking things would actually be appropriate for him. Yeah, he won't continue on this pass of, you know, 13 touchdowns, no picks for every four games. Like, that's obviously unsustainable and he's not running the ball at all which we don't love to see either which probably means we would give the nod to someone like say watson in this head-to-head for cash games but obviously for big tournaments um between him and Devante adams like this is is this the premier wide receiver quarterback pairing in the league right now in terms of just raw upside um i'm not sure so uh, adams it does look like yeah he, yeah, he is returning this week, yep. it looks like. he's going to play. It's official, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I know they, they said it looked like he might be able to return last week, and then uh, he'll be coming back this week. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a phenomenal return to grace here, and we'll see a big week out of both of them.
0: Yeah, I just think we're probably a little, bear, a little overly bearish on it. And like you said, the touch, the the zero interceptions piece is just can't really continue, right? Like um, The completion percentage is good. It's top 10-ish in the league right now it's 70 percent so that and that has been a welcome return um so yeah but it probably probably stands to have a little bit of movement around his overall baseline projection and i still don't really want to do it in cash because it's so it's so passing touchdown dependent and for the price i just don't think that you're getting away with much any, anything at this point uh any other thoughts here aaron jones maybe um if we like if we start losing games here aaron jones he touching the ball a ton this game has a high total could you talk yourself him in, uh, talk yourself into him in cash
1: Yeah, I really looked at Jones. There's a lot not to like about playing Jones in this game for me Um, between what Tampa Bay has been able to do against the run the last two years. I think that's pretty troubling. Jones is not like an Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry level touch guy either. Like the touches can drop to 20 or less very quickly. The Packers have been scoring a lot of touchdowns through the air, which isn't good for Jones either. So the list of cons is longer than the list of pros for me uh, when it comes to Aaron Jones. Eventually, when you run out of plays, like you got to consider him. And I think it will come down to, like if we do lose that Atlanta-Minnesota game, what the plays look like at wide receiver, oddly, because we've talked about a lot of pretty reasonable mid-range to cheap wide receivers. We haven't talked a lot about a lot of good running back plays, so maybe it winds up defaulting that way. I can't say I would be excited about it, though.
0: Uh, and let's finish it off with the Tampa Bay side, Ronald Jones, Got a majority of the carries last week with Leonard Fournette out. Um, I don't know if Fournette returning would make a big difference. Uh, Ronald Jones is still coming pretty cheap here. Um, Can we talk ourselves into him? And then uh, on the receiving side, Godwin is still questionable right now. Mike Evans did have nine targets last week. Uh, Should we be taking a look at some of these guys on Tampa Bay a little more closely, knowing that this game has a huge total?
1: Yeah, this one's like actually a little trickier for me. So Fournette was technically active last week, but it was for emergency situations only. Fournette truly terrible in two of his three games this year, but like great in the other one. <laughs> so it's really it's really sort of tough to, tough to pin down what the Bucks think of him right now. Uh, I could play Jones in cash. I think if Fournette was like continuing to be limited in practice, but I suspect we're going to hear something. About a timeshare as the week goes along. That's just kind of what my gut tells me, given that, you know, given that Fournette was active even just for emergency situations last week, leads me to believe that he'll be out there in some role this week. And, you know, Jones was already sort of limited on carries. So I don't, I don't know that that's an exciting play either.
0: Yeah. This one, um, like, look, I, if I knew, I think for now, I don't, yeah, it's funny, but I guess we'll have to hear like some coach speak about the Fournette thing to, to make a final determination about Ronald Jones. And I think we'll have to make, uh, probably waiting here about the status of Goblin and when all things that are done to make some determinations around the passing game as well because there is some interesting guys here it could be a shootout uh, but probably just need a little bit more injury news before we can make uh, some final calls all right we're gonna get out of here daily fantasy sports is the site dfsr.com slash deals which get you started optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL uh, also includes MLB while the uh, season finishes up here getting into the World Series we have PGA up there and then it covers you on all sports when they return basketball hockey um, it's all covered under one subscription package dfsr.com slash deals will get you started buddy enjoy week five in the nfl i hope we play all the games
1: let's do it